welcome back to another Energy Crew podcast. I'm your host, JP Warren, and I'm pretty pumped to be doing this. We are recording this at the Petroleum Club, 35th floor, downtown Houston right now. I'm sitting with my good buddy, old Nick Gorey. We're having some, um, I'm going to let you get into what we're having, but uh, we, we're going to do this in the Schlumberger room. Yeah. And uh, it's, you know, we're in the bar. It's the day after Doug. You know, you just got back from vacation. So let's continue us being a piece of shit for another couple of days. Why detox when why, you can just keep on rolling? You know what? Why why detox so you reflect more on your bad choices, on your diet and your health? So we're actually, uh, so we're here again. This is Nick Gorey. He's the uh, the drilling manager yep. over at uh, Earthstone, uh, Earthstone Energy. Yes, sir. And uh, yeah, so we just we just had lunch and we decided we decided to just, let's post up at the bar. You saw a nice bottle of uh, Eagle Rare 17. Eagle Rare 17. Which is one of your favorite um, uh, bourbons out there. Probably the favorite bourbon I've had out there as far as an overall daily drinker in comparison to some of the others. But as far as, as, far as the ta- overall taste, you just, you can't beat it. It's and so, so you, you were, you were shedding us some, on some information before about when they release it, when you can get it. Why are you so excited about this right now? The reason it's, so it's part of the BTAC collection, which is the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection. And they usually only distribute it out in November, December timeframe. So by the time you get around to January, February, and it's found at a local bar, it's gone. And if you don't even can get it at a local bar, because most times they get the allocations, and it's usually only for, you know, their elite yeah. customers, etc. And then you know, trying to find it at a liquor store, it's nearly impossible. I haven't seen this out at restaurants either. I mean, it's it's, it's a tough find, isn't it? Because it? you got to think about all the restaurants in the entire state of Texas. The allocation is so minimal in comparison to that. So. It's going to go to those distributors, top tier restaurants that, you know, they have the most liquor sales or have the best relationship. So it's going to be very few and far between. You'll ever see this actual bar. So when I saw it here, I was just like, all right, we're, we're doing this. We're, we're going to we're, do this here. We're, we're drinking this. We're going to do this right now. So, you know, for those that are listening right now and you're thinking, God, there's the audio quality is horrible. That the, the background noise, you know what, that we're dealing with this too, but we're actually, we're the ones behind the mic. We got the pressure. So if you just kind of bear with us and walk through us uh, with it and uh, enjoy it while we smoke these, um, Macanundo cigars and these Eagle Rare Seventeens, we appreciate it. It's a sacrifice that we have to all make. You know what? We're we're if we have to listen to this noise and be distracted, and we can pull through, then we're gonna be happy. We're gonna be good. We can do it. I feel like we can make it through. And so, what's up with the cigar idea? This was your idea for the record. What's what's, what's up with this idea? Well, you know, I I like the thought of a, a good old working lunch, the the old days, the the twenties. You know, sit down, have a cigar, have a drink. It's not a bad day, time to do it. Any time of the day is a good time to do it, and so. You know, taking off work for it to be here. So we're bringing it enjoy. back. We're, we're bringing back the old school of having a cigar and a, and a bourbon at lunch. Well, I saw your post the other day of having a nice working lunch, and you guys were down up in Fort Worth. Oh, that yeah. Day. yeah. So I was with the Rispy and uh, uh, Tyler uh, Barnado uh, with a few words now. I'm so sorry, Tyler. I'm, I'm kind of on the spot right now. I apologize. Anyway, good buddy of mine. Damn, and then Ryan Key sat down. And you know what's kind of old school? The Doug's back. You know, I just got back from Doug, and I, you know, I'll get into that in a little bit. So it was back, and we decided to go have like a – an old school like oil field lunch. And we had a couple martinis at lunch and it was a great time. It was great connecting again. It was great kind of the conversation was a lot different than what it's been over the past 16 months, 17 months. So it's very, it's cool. We're bringing a, we're bringing the old school way back, but a new school way, new, new school, new school style. I love it. It's uh, it's definitely been an interesting dynamic, especially in the past, gosh, two, three months and seeing oil prices start to ramp back up. 74, 75, you know, peaking up a little bit higher. There's calls, you know, JP saying 80 to 100. And yep. Getting multiple people calling out for 100 barrel. And that's so, why it's such a good time to invest with energy funders. Little plug. But no, but uh, I mean, that's what you're seeing. Though, but what's funny is, though, like, it's not funny, but it's interesting. You're seeing, you know, commodity prices rise. You're seeing oil prices get where they're at. Gas prices get where they're at. But you're not seeing the historical 
everyone jumping on and getting rigs and start punching holes in the ground like you did before. No, and that's something actually I've been talking to a lot of my vendors about when they come in and talk. They're like, hey, you know, you're going to two rigs. You guys going to get three, four. And I just have to tell people. And unfortunately, yeah, good bourbon, right? Really good. I just don't think you're going to see those kind of numbers that we've had in the past just because you've been, everyone's been hounded and pounded on like, look, you've got to stay within cash flow. You've got to generate cash flow. We're tired of having losses, putting in billions of dollars, not seeing returns. And people need to start generating free cash flow and giving back to shareholders. And so you're not going to see the the major corporations. You know, I don't think you're going to see the EOGs, XTOs, all that getting up to 30, 40 rigs. Again, it's just, they need to start making, everyone needs to start making cash flow and getting back to it. So I don't predict us really getting much higher than 625, 650. Like you maybe get up to hundred, then you're going to get some of the smaller operators going back at it. But you look at some of the super majors who, you know, unfortunately it's, I don't like saying this, but a lot of them are starting to seem like they don't want to be in oil and gas. Industry. You're noticing that they're, they're getting rid of great acreage out in West Texas. They're, they're, they're changing their websites. They're changing, they're putting out these goals, these ESG goals that are just tremendous. And we don't, we can get down that road if you want. I don't give a shit. Like no. it's, it's up to you, man. No, it's, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting dynamic and it's, you know, a lot of these companies don't want to be associated with oil and gas yeah. uh, and they want to go over to, and I've heard in the past talking with uh, David and some of the other podcast and the two other previous podcasts I listened to you on the NG crew that, you know, it's this whole ESG movement going forward where, you know, people don't like oil and gas, but you, I'm not against alternative uh, fuels or alternative methods of, you know, wind power, hydroelectric, et cetera. But for people to think that it's going to happen overnight is what this kind of crazy dynamic. And that's where, uh, you'll have to look up the David's, uh, recent, uh, LinkedIn post about it, but it's kind of a joke where people are making these long-term promises, you know, 30, 40 years out, which, you know, these CEOs will never be CEO at that point of the company the, you know, the total dynamic change, it's going to be more, you know, What's going to be the next thing in ten years that people are actually really worried about? It's just trying it's to make going to be. It's, they're kicking the can down the road. Yeah. The next next big thing. People are just worried about concerned about. Okay, how can I get more money into my company? How can I build up our stock and continue to make money for our people and get out? That's that's that right right now. That's the ESG thing. But also, uh, Sipes, um, Sipes Houston had a lunch uh, last month with a gentleman named Mark. I think it's Mark Mills. Are you familiar with him? He's in DC. Mm-hmm. I'm. I, and he's like his. He just. It was very informative because I mean he's 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 trying to discuss I guess the facts behind the you know the the, the everyone trying to go renewables and all stuff and look I'm like you I'm all for it I'm all pro we can flip a switch and and let's pretend renewables were clean let's pretend I mean I'd be all for that if we can fly around you know Jetsons and all that stuff but it's it, we're not there yet number one and he made an interesting thing it's like you know whenever like a test obviously I'm not scientist and I don't have the research in front of me I'm good at bullshit and that's what I do but he made a point he's like look whenever a, a an EV comes here on your driveway, right? Mm-hmm. It already has about 20 tons of carbon wow. footprint or whatever like that. And he goes, the entire life cycle of a car, you know, and obviously these, are, these numbers aren't accurate, but just go with me here. The entire yeah. life cycle of a car is like 18, you know, so before you even drive, get in, you know, get in behind or charge or do whatever you got to do to the electronic vehicle, it's already had a huge carbon footprint. But unfortunately, that's the thing though. It's like conversations need to happen, you know, yeah. like look, producing energy, that we need to survive on none of it's clean you know yeah. what i mean we just got to do our best to be good stewards which we are and unfortunately the oil and gas industry because it's fossil fuels and dirty and gross and all that stuff that's what's stuck with us so um it's and obviously you know news loves that stuff you oh know, the, news doesn't any, report, any good story <laughs> any, any good story that goes against a i guess a a, a, a faceless industry helps whether it's pharma, pharmaceutical well, i don't like pharmaceutical. anyway 
uh, pharmaceuticals, whatever it is. Like it's it's just it's just interesting. He's like that electronic vehicle that you feel so good driving. It's already done more damage to the to the. Uh, it's already has a bigger footprint than than you would if you, if you drove a, a, a combustion engine car for its entire life cycle. Oh, no doubt. And then when you think about, you know, electricity power and people come, oh, I'm going to get it all from windmills, I'm paying that extra $50 to feel good on my electric bill because I'm getting all renewable energy, which most likely is being shipped off to somebody else for carbon credits and they're making more money off of that. And, but you feel good. But you feel good about it. Yeah. And, you know, it's going to a windmill that's taken God knows how much in steel and cost to actually even be erected. Um, to get up there to where you're going to be generating enough power to pay that off, yeah. which it will eventually, but God, you just, then you got site pollution and like birds getting killed, migratory birds, et cetera. I mean, there's everyone all of a sudden just thinks clean energy and it's clean, but it's still, you know, a very dirty side of clean just, energy. It, it was just marketed no, uh, in a better way. It's best, best way to market it is just to make you feel good about yourself that you can go to bed at night and think, Oh, well, I'm making a change in yeah. the world, which in all reality, you're not. Yeah. You, you really aren't. And actually, yeah, you're probably, I, I just wish people would have more discussions and just just understand what what this clean green energy actually is. It's not bad. We need to look. Let's. I'm, I'm on the I'm on the Prius mindset. I'm not on a Tesla mindset. I'm not on a you know F two fifty mind. I'm on a Prius. We need both sources of of energy for a growing population that's affordable, that's storable, and transportable to move forward in yeah. our in our world. No, and I, I think it's you know one of those topics we've you've talked on a few times already here on the podcast, but it's so true where if you think about it and you look at it and you think of, uh, you know, Greta Thunberg and all this, you know, you know, she's riding around on trains, living the, the high life. And you go back to, you know, what a, a farmer in Africa or some uh, farmer out in the middle of nowhere in Asia is, you know, they don't have clean, affordable, abundant energy. And, you know, that's not like what the Paris Accords or overall U S carbon emissions, which are actually down uh, more so than anyone really else. I believe in the world, um, you go ahead and look at that and look at the comparison. It's like, you can't ask this poor person like, Oh, by what? Oh, why don't you have hydroelectric dams? Why aren't you using wind power? Well, they've got dung and they've got wood and they've got coal and that's what they're going to burn. And that's yeah. what they're going to do to survive. Yeah. You can't, I need to get this shit done before it goes dark. Cause we don't have electricity. Yeah, exactly. So I'll get back to you. And so again, it's that whole, uh, like that, uh, last podcast he did where it's, you know, you're on top of your mountain yelling at people. You can't yell at people from the top of your mountain, expecting them to do exactly what you are. What you're, you're preaching. What you're preaching at your spot. It's, it's unfair and it's uh, unrealistic to even think about that. So, yeah, it's virtue. So, Doug, tell me, like, how, oh, dude, how, Doug was, how, so how was the feeling? How was, was the environment oh back? Was okay, it- so, okay, so my first Doug I went to was in about 2011, 2012. I went to uh, the, the Doug uh, Eagleford, and it was great. You know what I mean? There's a good mix yeah. of operators, good mix of salespeople, good mix of, you know, all of that. And, uh, you know, over the years, just like any other industry event, um, I guess there's a lot of uh, fatigue when it comes to customers and operators just because it's like it's going to be a salesman fest. You know what yeah. I mean? Man, it was a great, it was an awesome vibe. Heart Energy did a great job putting something on and it was uh, very well attended. You know what I mean? Um, uh, the conversations were great. Um, the energy was good. It was, it was, it was people being backing and it was people talking to one another again. It was, it was, um, it was, very, it was, it was a very exciting buzz. Um, the presentations were great. Uh, some of the speakers were legit. Uh, um, it, it was just, it was, it felt like it was back. It felt like it was, the, it was like, it definitely had a different feel. I'm not saying it felt like 2011, okay. but yeah. it definitely had a, a, a better feel of good people, good balance, good conversations, great networking. You know, um, I, I really liked it. I, I really, I really digged it. So, um, man, I was proud. It doesn't matter. What are we going to do? Yeah. I, it doesn't matter. But, uh, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I just think, I just think, um, 
I loved how they combined uh, the the Permian and the Eagleford to kind of yeah. gauge where it was. But for a first Doug coming out of uh, COVID, not the virtual bullshit and all that stuff, it was awesome. It really, really was. No, Saw I, a lot of friends, made some new ones. I mean, it was a blast. No, I love seeing that, and I like seeing the dynamic of it all where – you know, I, I think I believe it's SBE ATC is coming up and they're doing half and half where they're doing half live and then half is going to be on. Uh, sorry, we're very popular room right now. Do we uh, keep going? We can pause it. We good. Yeah, why not? So no, you're fine. Keep you're going. Fine. Keep going. So yeah, no. So, OK. So anyway, so oil's back. The room's packed. We can't complain. It's one thirty in the afternoon and. It's maybe maybe we just talk a little bit closer to the microphone. Yeah, we'll just go here. That's there we fine. Go. There oh. we go. Oh. No, but it was, I mean, it was, it was it was it was it was it was good. It was fun. It was tiring. Um, a lot of handshakes. A lot, actually, a lot of business cards. I haven't done that in so long. You know. I do you even think that I, I don't remember the last time I got a business card, dude. I, I just got a shit ton. Do you think? Do you think business cards a, a dying thing? Kind of just a good segue. Yeah. Do you think the business card is dying? And do you think actually people coming back to the office will be a standard thing going forward. I call that a two part question, Nick, okay. as a podcaster, that's what I break it down to. Number one, I do think kind of, I feel like business cards is kind of a, is a lost thing, you know, because number one, everyone has phones now. So it's like, send me your contact. You mm -hmm. know, if anything, there's going to be something there. It's kind of like a, I shouldn't say this on, well, actually it's probably invented, but it's going to be something where you kind of like tag phones and, and the contact information's in there, I feel like. But like- It's invented. I mean, business card, yeah, I know it is. I know, <laughs> I, I, I've been on Instagram enough, but I mean, I, I see it. It's just like, man, I I don't, I mean, business card's good, but like to me, I was sending my contact information more uh, to people versus handing a business card because in reality, all those business cards are in my bag and I need to go through them, but chances are the longer it goes from when I got back, the less likely I'm going to follow up. Yeah. I, that I, makes sense. I think the days of uh, the whole American Psycho, when I take, oh, look that. I just watched letter. that. Oh, classic. Such a great show. Classic. Uh, I think those days are gone and, you know, people instantly get done with the lunch. All right, let me just hit you up on LinkedIn. I'll shoot you a text. Yeah, you know, here's my information. Call it a day. Yeah. But I mean, the thing is, so once that starts going, once that starts going, now you get connected through social media and all this stuff. And I, and I always tell people to like, you know, connect with them on a personal level. You know what I mean? Like, don't just shoot him. Hey, I heard you have a rig coming and blah, 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 blah. Start getting to know that person a little bit, you know, start, start bullshitting with them more. And once you get on the text thing where you're actually just talking to stuff besides work, whether it's fishing, bourbon, Hey, uh, Nick, I saw this is a bourbon. Da -da. And you start building that relationship, the genuine relationship. That's what matters. That's, that's when you get to a point. No. And I, I think, you know, we're giving away the secret sauce here for anyone out there that's trying to sell on that side is there's so many people, the only way you're going to get in and make those are having that personal connection with somebody because you see so many people, you get bombarded with emails and really it's one of those things where it's who do you know that instantly think that you can call that's going to be there, be able to get something done and be actionable on what you need done. That's who you're going to be the first call to, to get work going back for you. And uh, that's so much more important than, oh, hey, I really saw your profile on LinkedIn. I'd love to help you out here. I see yeah. you pick up a rig. Yeah, it's, it's I've got a friend that constantly just anytime I post a new rig photo, which I love to promote our rig and promote Earthstone in general and been able to see the performance that we're having, but it's always the instant I put a photo up, I'm always about 30, 40 messages instantly. Oh, oh, let me help you out. I'm like, I've never met you once. I mean, it might work for some people, but I don't know Do how. Do you really think it works for some people? I, I don't know. I, I really just kind of the same thing where you're laughing about the financial advisors. I get hit with about five financial advisors a week. We're like, let me help you with your finances. Let me, you know, I see you're an engineer and we're connected with a bunch of the same people. Like, let me take a look at your portfolio. And it's, 
I don't know how many times that's actually going to work. I know. I'm like, mother, I'm living paycheck to paycheck. Okay. You want to look at my portfolio? Okay. Here's, here's, here's my last week's pay stub. I like cigars and bourbon too much. Uh, I don't have that much to invest. Do you have penny stocks? Like where can I get in at? Also, yeah. So that's the thing though. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm curious if that has ever worked and you get, I don't know. So I view business cards as kind of being out, out. I don't look, I don't, if I'm a company, I'm not going to place an order for 500 business cards. I'll place maybe for 100 business cards these days. Yeah. Well, talk to me, man. Y'all, y'all back in the office now? So we're back. So we were we we're one of the few rare ones I think out there. So we took off, of course, when everything was shut down, and then we came back. We did an alternating schedule for about a month. Yeah, it's good. And then after about a month of alternating schedule, we were back in full okay. time. And then I talked to my other friends who are in some of the super majors. And you were adamant against that because you were scared. You were, loved working from home. You were just, you didn't go out. You, you had to like detox, like disinfect your Amazon boxes and stuff. That was you, right? Yes, that was, yeah, okay. uh, no. Uh, <laughs> God, yeah, the whole, the whole, that was my wife. Uh, uh, me so much. She was leaving boxes out in the sun. And I'm like, oh God, just bring it in. If we get it, we get it. Uh, which I will say, I, I got COVID. It, fortunately, I was very mild case and- I recovered, no issues, no harm, no foul, and I'm back at it. And I'm right. right back into it. As soon as 10 days were up, guess what? I was back to doing the same damn thing right. I was doing exactly. previously. Uh, when you just look at the numbers, it just makes sense. In my age group, what does it matter? But here's the deal. Just like uh, our industry, just like anything, it's not about data. It's not about facts. It's about emotion, fear, and heartstrings. Oh, no doubt. That's what that's what matters. So anyway, so you're back in the office. So we're back in the office full time, loving it. But then when I yeah, talk to some of my other friends and it's a really kind of interesting dynamic, I would hate to be owning uh, some corporate real estate right now and having to be on that end because how do you one, get people back into the offices needing people and you know, you're having to do incentives and I saw crazy stuff on like CNBC. What, what kind of incentives are you seeing? Well, so like CNBC uh, actually had a funny article out the other day about um, people in new york actually doing you know hey free concierge services uh you know little bars inside like personal bars just for coming into that area like rented out for six months to you know year-long lease and you know we'll put a speakeasy in just just anything to try to entice people to get back into the office space and get going again uh but i just don't foresee that being a, a big deal going forward and starting to see some of these super majors and other companies that they're going hey look like tuesday wednesdays you guys you know come in Thursdays maybe, and then Mondays, Fridays are optional, work from home sets. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where it goes because some people's, you know, I think their 980s have been taken away. Yeah. Uh, so some people are like, that's fine, I can work from home, but then also you're having to work for sure on that Friday. You can't just check out anymore. So I was talking to this one cat in New York and, um, you know, we're just kind of shooting the shit like, oh yeah, da, da, da. And um, it was on you know, phone call with energy funders and we started talking about it, like, you know, you know, he's like, the city's back, finally it opened up. A lot of people are still working from home. I'm like, hey, man, I'm in Houston. You're not seeing a lot of people go downtown anymore. What's going on there? He's like, well, you know, after the, the 08, 09, whatever that Occupy Wall Street thing, a lot of people lost their jobs. I think it was a lot of people lost mm-hmm. their jobs and stuff. They turned a lot of uh, the, these offices into, into um, residential mm-hmm. spots, like apartments and all that stuff. He goes, I wouldn't be surprised if 80% of the, the um, offices around a Wall Street turn into residential places. because. And now you're also hearing about this great resignation. Have you heard about that? So- Great segue because I, I was just about to bring this up because we we're talking about because I what is going on in this world right now where okay yes where yes. everyone is just oh, yes. quitting because they're not making thirty dollars an hour just because they took off and I mean don't get me wrong I 
Republican, Democratic, you know, you can look at your ways. And uh, I, I like Abbott, who he decided he's going to cancel the extra yep. unemployment, which when there's more more jobs out there than unemployed, it would just make sense to cancel that. But more people have been still getting cash more so than they were making. And so, yeah, now you have a whole minimum wage discussion point. You're going to bring it up, going to raise it. But what I don't think a lot of people understand, and there's legit article that came out, uh, CNN or CNBC, don't quote me on that part, but it was the silver lining. I saw it all over Instagram, the silver lining of inflation, higher wages. I was like, is this or do you not <laughs> like that's a, it was a legit article that people don't understand that inflation happens and okay, Hey, I'll pay you $30 an hour, but guess what? I'm raising everything else up. And so people just don't understand like, Oh, Hey, let's raise the minimum wage to $20 an hour, $30 an hour, or Hey, we'll get more automated workers in take away your jobs in general. And then we're just going to raise the cost of everything. You know, billionaires and millionaires didn't become, get to their positions by losing money or yeah. paying out extra. I mean, I'm sorry. It's not a feel good world where you now let's all sing Kumbaya. Uh, at the end of the day, people want to make money and keep earning money. And there's going to be people that are wanting to get to that level to where they control all that. And there's going to be people that just want to work their day to day and call it good. And that's it. And that it takes all kinds of people in this world to make the whole world go around. But as far as live, like I just don't see, you know, equal equal income equality, et cetera, that you see like they're testing out in California and uh, some places in New York where everyone just gets a monthly stipend. Like that's just not going to work. Uh, it's you know the starts you can talk in socialism and basics of that, but it's just it's weird. And uh, there was a huge article about the whole Burger King quitting. Did you see that one? No. So it made uh, LinkedIn news and it made some local news on Dredge Report, et cetera, where I guess apparently a whole Burger King quit all one day. Okay. Everyone resigned. And they said it was just the working hours, the lack of employees being able to show up and the overall uh, cost that they were making as overall wages. And it's just like, where, where does it end? And the whole great resignation, everyone's like, well, I'm not going to go back to work. I'm not going to make so the office. Do you, so, where do you do? Where so do you my, go? So, so look, my, look, the great resignation to me would only work if, if this, if this was the case. And I, look, I haven't read much about it, but I've just seen it. There's like X amount of people planning to quit and all stuff. Look, and I and I've always said this, like in the beginning of COVID, I'm like, look, this, I feel like this can go two ways. You know what I mean? I feel like the, the, the first way that the first way that this can go is number one, People are going to be like, okay, I'm going to start pursuing my passion. I'm going to, I'm going to, I've, I've always been in the office, you know, uh, you know, plugging numbers away. I always, I, I like fishing. I'm going to go start a fishing company. Either it would be like a big renaissance with people kind of going out there and just like maybe not chasing that paycheck enough, but doing something that they're passionate about, you know. And I thought it could, I thought the world could would either go that way or it would just go kind of the way the oil field has done historically is like, well, let's reset and forget how we did and just get back in the car and do the grind. You know what I mean? So either one of two ways, things are going to go back to kind of normal with, with some slight um, changes, you know what I mean? Or it's going to be people like pursuing their passions, being this huge renaissance and like ideas and businesses and X, Y, Z. But I guess what you're so now I'm hearing about this great resignation. I'm like, okay, great. So people are going to be pursuing their passions, but it didn't sound like that. It sounds like people are just going to quit. Yeah. And that's, that's the whole dynamic. I don't really understand about it is, okay, I'm going to resign because I don't want to go back to the office. I don't want to get back into it. Uh, you know, I, you know, saw an article where, you know, Google employee was Google was making their employees come back and having to get back in there. And so they were like, you know, forget it. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm out. But who are you going to go work for? Or, I know, that's the thing you're at I, And I'm not seeing all these other people that, you know, just quitting jobs and I'm not seeing tons of like, Hey, I started this new company or go from here. It's just, yeah, I'm just taking off or, you know, do they have just enough money stocked away just to hang out or 
where I just don't see where it, the numbers align, where people just keep on living at home and not going back there's to work. There's definitely more to the story that that obviously we're not getting because yeah, I, that's fine. Look, you want to resign, resign. I get that. I dig that. But here's the deal: what's next? You know what I mean? And if it's one of those things that I don't think sixty percent of the great resignation are we going to pursue in the passion. I just no. feel like it's such a big quit fest. No, and it, it's going to be that, and it's it'll be interesting to see what kind of socioeconomic impacts it has for overall the country and its reemergence from, you know, COVID, but you know, fuck now we got to deal with Delta potentially. Dude, I don't know about you, man, but if, I'm not going to ever put my, my eggs in the basket of the government uh, providing for me or my family ever, no. ever, 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 especially just, I just, I've grown a big distrust for the government. I, I just, just get out of here. No, it's uh, one of those whole basic things where I don't, the purpose of the government wasn't to be, you know, a big brother in the setup. I mean, we employ the government to help us out, not the other way around. Um, and so the government having the wherewithal to try to tell me like where you can go, what you can't do, et cetera, it kind of still baffles me uh, that people just so easily rolled over and were like, yeah, sure, let's do this. Dude, after 11 months, people are getting what, like a $1,300 like stimulus check? Like, oh, yeah. dude, like just because you're getting that, like you're satisfied with that? Like that's bullshit. Yeah, people just get lazy and uh, comfortable in their positions and don't want to go back out and get back going in the real world. The government's world. like, we don't really have to do money. Here's a $1,300 check for the last 11 months when you couldn't pay mortgage or buy groceries or doing that. But here's 1300 bucks. Oh, thanks. Well, don't worry. Biden uh, saved us 16 cents on our uh, on our 4th of July barbecue. So that's what they were pumping out there is they're both big social, uh, both <laughs> big economic impacts that they were doing for us uh, in this world as far as <laughs> their, their capabilities so, so far. You, so go we're Anyway, enough about that. Let's not go down that rabbit hole. So where do you see, where do you see, I guess, office visits going? Are you having people come visit? I mean, how's, what's, what's going on with that? So we're, we're starting to do office visits. Uh, we're having people in the office. No, is it like scheduled meetings or can people just like, no, no drop-ins, only scheduled meetings. I think you needed to say that just now. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I only do it through email. Email me if you want to come in and have a meeting, I'll try to do my best to get in with you. It's usually, you know, pre-packed schedule already. So I try to make time for everyone that wants to come by. But you're having meetings. Yes. We're having meetings, but uh, talking to a few guys, you know, people are getting into some big ones, but they're having to get COVID tests, rapid tests before they can even go in. Um, so what's the future on uh, vendor visits? Oof, I, I'm just going to say, I do not want to be in a position where my day-to-day -day job is I have to get in and physically see people face-to-face -face in the office, or it's going to be a very, very difficult career. Yeah. Um, unfortunately for the new vendors that are getting into, I think it's going to be almost impossible really i mean you're gonna have to get out and do the social side of it more so than getting into the office and so get you that. you're talking about the social networking side yes of it. you're going to get into social networking you're going to have to go out to outside party events etc to be able to start meeting the engineers and uh management because a lot of these companies aren't allowing even vendors in to come have discussions and that's you know the whole problem is how do you how do you build a rapport and especially well, the god i mean, want to think about like the engineers or you know that don't get out it's like how do you see a guy that is more reclusive and that doesn't want to get out and do anything and but you can't get in to see and him. now there's this added of, of a thing of covid that's whether it's an excuse or it's a personal belief and it doesn't matter to me whether it's a personal belief, whatever but what i'm saying is like now there's this added layer of COVID where it's like damn now he's not even gonna play golf anymore no. you know what i mean now now he, now he doesn't even do lunches so it's like historically people would go in and they would uh go to offices and that's where you kind of build. When I first got into sales, mm -hmm. you just go in office and you hang out and you, Hey, JP, Hey, you're, what's your name again? Hey, it's me, JP. You've yeah. seen me like past seven weeks, you know, nice to meet you. Here's my car. Oh, okay. Perfect. And then you go from there. But now it's like, man, it's, 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 you're right. I think it's one of those things like you, it's, you better be available. You better be a social butterfly at these network events. Yeah. Cause if not, I mean, you're, you're screwed and it's gone are the days of the, the breakfast run hangout. 
Let me just go ahead and hang out here in the. Are you pro or against that? I'm pro because it helps out my friends in accounting and the other groups that don't ever get breakfast and mm -hmm. take care of. I'm kind of against it because I never liked being jumped on when I don't have something planned. So that's why I've always kind of gone, hey, look, if you want to meet with me, send me an email. I don't do drop bys. I got enough of a busy schedule. But if you want to drop off breakfast for everyone else, cool, go for it. Probably not going to be able to meet with you. Go from there. So I, I've, I've liked it. I liked it in the past when I didn't really have too much and I was going on. That was perfectly fine. But outside of that, it was uh, when I got a little bit busier, I was kind of like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. So I'm going I'm to move on from it. So I always felt if I, if I was in y'all's shoes, don't get me wrong. I love talking to people, obviously. I love Shocking. bullshitting people. I love, I love making friends. I love making friends. We're doing, it's a grassroots podcast right now. We got <laughs> cigars, one lighter. We're good. If you so, want it, you can take it. Don't even worry. Is this Amanda? Here you go. Go ahead and grab it, Amanda. <laughs> so it's like, um, so, uh, so, so. So, um, we're just breakfast runs. Yeah, no. So I was, if I was in your shoes, honestly, like I love talking to people. I love, bullshit. I love making new friends and all that stuff, but it's just like, I always, I mean, I liked them because you get to see people, you know, catch up with some, some folks, but it's like, dude, I can only imagine like walking in for a cup of coffee and like, you have 500 things to do and you have to be nice. Cause you're not a dick. You know no. what I mean? But you have to be, you have to stand there for 15 minutes and then, you know, Oh, how's fish? And you're like, oh, it's wrong guy i'm not a fisher i'm the golfer oh yeah how's golfing where are you playing next week you know like it's just like come on man i gotta go i gotta go yeah, do something like let's, let's, let's move let's, on let's do lunch let's do coffee somewhere else yeah no and so it's uh i think that's probably a great saving grace for some of these engineers and stuff out there with the not going back to the office and that style setup as not having to deal with that kind of those calls and those annoyances of everyone dropping by well, randomly well, on well, you. what would you tell engineers right now that aren't going out that, that do you feel that the do you feel that relationships are important still in a post-COVID uh, oil and gas uh, industry? I think no matter what, you know, pre or post-COVID, however you want to look at it, any sort of pandemic that's out there, relationships are the, the base foundation of this uh, industry. I mean, uh, I, the oil and gas industry in itself, it's it's not six degrees of separation, it's two degrees of separation. Right. And always knowing that who you have and what's around is going to be the most important fundamental and being able to call somebody because you can be the best engineer in the world you think, but you're going to run into some sort of situation where you're going to be able to not know what the hell's going on right. and can't think of it, but you should be able to have a connection or a Rolodex of somebody you can call uh, or they know somebody that they can call to help you out in that situation. So I think having that personal relationship with somebody and having that understanding of their capabilities is vastly important for engineers and or just companies in general uh, to have that kind of connection because uh, you we're not a standard oil, not everything's, you know, underneath one shop for every single company out there. So you're gonna have to rely on somebody to pump your cement, somebody yeah, to, yeah. you know, do the reporting, et cetera. And so when you get looked down at the base of fundamentals, being able to look at something on paper is okay, but knowing the greatest differentiation between a company being great, good and great is the fact that, okay, this paper, this company looks good on paper, but oh shit, all right, who do I call? Well, this is a general dial-in number. You call and then you go ahead and get transferred five times and you finally got a hold of somebody. Nobody wants and to then, waste their time doing And they're that. like, oh, okay, hey, yeah, well, let me get a, try to get a hold of this guy. For me, knowing that it's going to be a great company is, oh, they look good on paper, they have stuff, and then I know I can call one guy who's going to pick up on the first ring and is going to get stuff done for me. And that's the main differentiation between a good company and a great company is accountability and people that know they're going to show up when you ask them to. And that's why having that kind of personal relationship is vastly important because you know, you've got that person to call. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So I, so I guess summing up, I mean, you would tell uh, whether you're a vendor, whether you're an operator, just get out there and start making connections. I mean, the oil field's good. 
great people. Not only is it just beneficial for you, just be, just expand your network just in case something happens, but also it's beneficial for you to be more efficient at your role. Exactly. And so, I mean, if I'm hitting, if you can go to the Doug or the SBE, ATC, go to OTC, get out there, do the, you know, YPE, uh, the SBA, the meetings, anything that they're all starting to come back now, starting to get back in person, go out there and network because on, unfortunately the office, I think is pretty much done for, for, for the foreseeable future, at least. And that's fine. You know, honestly, I, I was, I would, I would entice people to actually go out and build your own little, little happy hour, a little get, get a group of your buddies and yeah. I'll bring one customer or two customers. You bring two and let's all do, and just do a little smaller get together. I mean, that's, that'd be a great way to uh, get in front of people as well. No, that's the, the perfect thing to do is, you know, if you can build out your own little list of people and a group and uh, different chain companies and kind of build your own perfect little well group, you know, have somebody from Siemens, somebody from, directional reservoir, et cetera, geology, whoever you want there, geosteers, and just have it all together for one giant group meeting and right. invite all the engineers and people around them. Boom. Hey, now you've got, and that's a good, unique, intimate time too. I mean, I think, you know, you did it best. Uh, you know, I enjoyed our, our meetings in the past where we'd get together and do some of the steak nights. Oh yeah. It was a great dynamic. Be able to get around, meet people, discuss, uh, thoughts, ideas in a free environment without any pressure from anything. And you know, it's you made some great connections that I still know now and can call on. And really, are, yeah, I mean, good. yeah, it's one of those good setups where you know, uh, Daniel Chang is one of the ones, yeah. yeah. So, you know, to talk to Daniel and hit up, hit him up, and he hit me up, and like, you know, making good connections. We talk, go out and golf again, and it's one of those, you know, all because of you. Uh, you know, what's funny, it's like the, the best part about that, man. I mean, you and I were talking, it's like. You know, you invite you invite a group of operators over, you know, and, and a lot of times, especially in times like this when there's not a lot of activity or I'd hate to be in your shoes, someone with two rigs. Holy shit. But uh, I, I really would. But you invite all these people in a room and you don't sell them anything because you're not there to sell them. You're there to build a relationship because you know why I was there. You yeah. know what I mean? You know why the, you know why this salesperson's there. You know what they sell. Don't push sales. Don't push your product. Don't push your service. Talk about other stuff. And if and if y'all want to start bringing a business and start talking about X, Y, Z. By all means, brother, and y'all do it. But at the same time, it's like, don't do a shop tour to get crawfish and be like, wait, here's our presentation first. No one wants that. Like, no. I understand you're excited about that, and I dig that. But it's like, I think the most valuable thing is during, during previously times was, was getting people in a room, um, having people talk again, um, network, creating networks with people, and just kind of bringing up the spirit and the energy in the, in the oil and gas industry. You know what I mean? So that's why I was very fortunate to do that. And, I, it, dude, we had some great dinners, man. Oh. Fantastic dinners. And I will say you being able to sous vide a steak is uh, pretty impressive. Uh, you inspired me to go out and get my own sous vide machine. So how, how, how's your experience been with the sous vide? It's life changing, honestly. What have uh, you, have you, have you done a, um, a brisket yet? No, I, my friend did a brisket. What, what was the result? How, how'd that go? It came out pretty damn good. Did it really? It was, but the problem was it was kind of, he did it. He did a, a initial smoke on it and kind of get a little bit of a smoke and char and then finish it off in there. It still was at the end a little mushy for what yeah. I wanted, um, but the flavor and how you know it was great as a chopped brisket. Well, the uh, problem the problem is if you leave meat in the sous vide too long, like people are like, oh, it says an hour here, I'm going to leave it for three hours. Like it's going to make it more tender. Nope, it makes it mush. Yeah, it it gets past that point of where now you're, you're not just breaking down the tendons and some of the muscle yeah, fibers. Yeah. It's it's just overdoing it. I it's really want to do a brisket one though. Ooh, but I want, but I'm not going to do it over. I'm going to do it. If it says 36 hours, cut it off at 37 six hours. Yes. Yeah. Just call it right there. Now it's, uh, I, I just don't think you can really do a steak much better than that. How do you do your sous vide? Do you do it like, like I do or what's your own, what's your little twist? So I put a little bit of garlic, uh, a little bit of olive oil. Like actual cloves? Yeah. In the bag? In the bag. Dig that. And a rosemary stem. And then I 
vacuum seal that, and then I throw it in there. You're a vacuum sealer. Oh, I'm a vacuum sealer. You would be. Well, I mean, you've that's got, not a bad thing. You would be a vacuum sealer. You want to enhance the flavors, so why not? Actually, if you're gonna if you're gonna spend the damn time waiting for it to cook you know for what a steak I like for two hours, you you're, you're, you are a, a, a connoisseur with with stuff that you like. You know what I mean? Whether it's bourbon, whether it's knives, whether it's cigars, whether it's sous vide. Uh, you dive in and you do it right. You don't, you don't do shortcuts. Well, I, my view on life is if you're going to do some stuff, you know, you want to be, uh, the way I want to do it is I want to look at how, how can I do it the best and how can I get the best? Uh, you only live one life. It's a very short life. If you look at it in the whole span of everything. So why do something half-assed? If you're yeah. going to get into it, go for it. Have you always been that way? Uh, Yes. I mean, I've always wanted to try to do the best at anything I get into. And, you know, is that from work? Is it from, you know, football? Was it, you know, now it's cooking. I'm really back getting into that. Is it, you know, knives, bourbon for, you know, bourbon for the last 12 years and trying to- You've been in bourbon for 12 years. 12 years, growing the collection. I kind of feel like that's, I feel like the whole bourbon explosion happened probably about five, six years ago. And it's just, oh God, this is a whole different- Is that frustrating for you that so many people are in it now? Yes. Uh, (laughs) I I love it, but it's also one of those things where I I hate it because the fact that it's just gotten so damn hard. Uh, The pandemic, I think, turned most of all of us into some sort of, you know, alcoholic in some senses as far as- When you're mixing- When your mixer for vodka, Tito's is truly, yeah, you know, you got issues. When it's like 930, you're sitting down the computer and you're cracking open a can. You're like, oh, God, maybe. Oh, right, only, oh. One, only one and a half more hours till happy hour. <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> I need to take a step back here. Like we have to start looking at foreign time zones to justify a five o'clock somewhere. That's that's when it's getting bad. Uh, so the pandemic wasn't kind to everyone on that, but it, it gave everyone kind of, hey, well, I'm kind of getting into this bourbon side of stuff and it's it's caused an explosion so it's it's been great for the fact that if you've been in the business for flipping yeah uh you're gonna hey let's uh let's flip a bourbon and you know get in find something for cheap and then sell it fantastic because the markups have been just ludicrous making tons of money on that end point if you, you're into that side of stuff but for a person that wants to actually just generally collect and or drink the Enjoy bourbon it, yeah it's been a biggest pain in the ass because uh, you can't find anything anymore. Dude, tell me about the whole bourbon scene, I guess, before it really kind of blew up. Because I'm very curious about that because like, I can see it kind of being a pain in the ass, the fact that it blew up. Or kind of cool because now you're seeing the all these new uh, distilleries come out. So like, tell me kind of like your experience with like, when you first started collecting to it and kind of when you saw a shift and where you're at now. So when we, when we first got going, it was, you know, you had the collectibles and you had the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection, which... Everyone was really kind of popular and the answer on the smaller stuff. I mean, back 10 years ago, you could buy, find Pappy Van Winkle literally yeah. on the shelves, Isn't that crazy? untouched. And, and it then, wasn't, and it wasn't one of those glass cases. That no, specs. no, no. It was, it was widely available. It was just sitting there. And then you get into, you know, it's kind of funny when you see the dynamic change of stuff where it was really the show justified. It was on FX. Uh, yes. And so during the show justified and who was that guy in that? Was it, wasn't he in uh Santa Clarita diet? Was that that guy? Mm-hmm. The handsome Delver? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so it was the same guy. And so they started drinking that inside that show and then started getting more popular. And then the 15 year, uh, one, uh, San Francisco spirits, which is the most prestigious spirits award you can get basically in the, in the industry. And so it won gold medal there for best bourbon. And so, from that point, it just really blew up. And, you know, it's were funny. Were you excited or were you frustrated? Frustrated. And I'll be honest, like back then, like I wasn't even really into it that much. And I see it and call from day. And then I got into it pretty soon after it started to blow up and got into a few of the bottles and collection and drank it. And it's fantastic. But then, boom, can't find it. Uh, same thing with uh, funny with Blanton's. It was one of those things where you oh. could find it on the shelf wherever. 
And it's an okay bourbon. If you like bourbon, that's your thing. Get into it. Perfect. For me, it's one of those, it's super overhyped. I feel like it's a basic bitch bourbon for dudes. It really is. It's one of those things where it's like, oh God, I have to have that. And it's like, eh. So do you need blends? I'm like, dude, there's like 17 other bourbons on the menu. Like, I'm sure there's something else you might like better. It's okay. But the only reason it blew up was because of John Wick. So it was in the, and people are like, why did, why did it blow up? Boom. Wait, wait, wait. Talk to me about that. I didn't know this. So that's, that's the whole thing. It's product placement inside of TV shows and just kind of, you saw a little bit with Mishters and uh, if you, have you ever watched Billions on oh, Showtime? Right. I, I, I need so, to get into So that. Billions is on Showtime. They've got a relationship where it's only Mishters and that's, or Mictors, however you want to say it. Uh, they have Which is a, pretty good, actually. Yeah, it's delicious. And that's all anything they drink on that show. Anytime they drink a bourbon or anything. I just had some, I just got a bottle last week. It's really good. Yeah, anytime they have any sort of pour on that, it's always from that bottle. Well, the same thing happened with first original john wick you can go ahead and check it out every time he opens up john opens up a bottle it's a bottle of blends everyone's like whoa what's that circular you know drink that he all has what, what's that bottle like that looks so interesting and then people are like oh you know this, this is pretty good and then between that and people think it was good and then it started being collected and then the, tops, and then the collection tops i mean and then the blended the tops garbage pail kid thing oh yeah and then everyone's like oh i gotta collect them all you know well, let's go. And then boom, it just huge supply demand or huge demand, not enough supply, price jacked up, people flipping it. And so there and you it's go. It's not like they can just roll more out because it takes, it takes time to age. Yeah, no, you've got to age it for a minimum. Uh, I forget what Blanton's is. I think maybe six or eight years. I have to look it up. I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head, but so you're, you're having demand supply. And it's the same thing with like Japanese whiskey, which is kind I of. I love Japanese whiskey. Man, uh, Hakushu, Yamazaki, like all that. It's very delicious, but they're running into a huge thing where. Funny enough, Japanese whiskey wasn't really that popular in no, Japan. Uh, and oh, I didn't know that in Japan wasn't. No, so it, like Japanese whiskey, like developed there, like wasn't gaining a huge following. Uh, but now it's starting to become so popular yeah. and such a high demand and worldwide demand that you're starting to see, uh, you know, the early age stuff, the ten and twelve year kind of, the eight and ten, twelves are really kind of just disappearing. What was the spark behind it that kind of gave Japanese whiskey, I guess, a, a, a leg in the market? Um, I think it was just overall, again, like the Japanese always do, they create a very good product and people finally starting to represent and understand like, Hey, this is, this is pretty damn good. Yeah. And it's actually reasonably priced. They're not getting, you know, overly crazy with it. Like, let me get into this and let me try it out. And so then it started getting kind of this devout following of people. And then their supply just of course got way dwindled down and they never expected to see such a surge in demand and they only have so many barrels that have been resting for so many years that you then they started getting away from age statements and started doing big blends and so now you just know what johnny walker did they went from like a 12 year to like a, a black bottle yeah it's so that's all just straight blended because yeah. they don't want to put an age statement on it because they don't know they can't actually they can't. The, the, the 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 supply that they have they can't you know, no so they there's color, not enough they color, code it, they color code it now versus age market mm -hmm. yeah okay and so then it's it's a blend of those specific um so each each color grade up is a different set of ages that they're blending together right. of course blue being the best they have have you had blue yes delicious. i had too i really like it it's good i for, was surprised because i was like man that's all bullshit i'm not gonna enjoy this i really really liked it no uh, i mean it's it's fantastic i mean it, it's funny when you start looking at really expensive bourbons and you finally try it and you're just like oh that horrible and then some of the medium medium price ones you're like this is actually really damn good well dude i just did a podcast with a tyler schultz and i want y'all to meet and all that stuff and he brought over the the buffalo trace you know went from um i forget what the first one is anyway it marked it up and like this is like a buffalo trace family thing this is it 
And I like the cheaper one more than oh. I like Bland's. No, it's, it's, a, it's amazing thing. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's kind of like, for me, it's, you know, I try to get into wine. I, I had a friend that is huge into wine and, you know, he gave me a very nice bottle and poured me a glass and he's like, Oh, can't you taste, you know, the, the licorice and the tobacco. And I'm like, man, it, first off, that sounds like shit. I know. I was like, it tastes like fermented grapes, yeah, bro. First off, if my, if my taste palate is licorice and tobacco, no, thank you. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I'm just like, uh, I just taste tannins and uh, I taste uh, fermented grapes. And so then I got into scotch because you could actually taste the differentiation profiles. Yeah. You yeah. know, is this a Highland or is this Islay, et cetera? How peaty is it? How fresh? And then got into the bourbon side. And it you don't have to go crazy old and expensive to find something that's really enjoyable. That's the beautiful thing about it. You can find some stuff that's only been in the barrel for four years and it's yeah. still damn good. Uh, and Do you sway on the bourbon or scotch side? Uh, now it, it's kind of during colder months, I, I'm more of a scotch guy. Really? Uh, well, cause it, it's got more of a, a palate hit, I think, and, you know, bourbon, bourbons are a little bit sweeter. Okay. So it's a little bit better for, you know, on a cube of ice, kind of let it chill. I mean, that might be sacrilegious when I mean, we are doing these neat. So. You know, you drink, first off, you drink what, how you want to drink. If yeah. you enjoy it, it doesn't matter if it's the right way or wrong way. You know, there's, look, there's a proper way to do everything, but if you like it with ice or you like it with can we get past the stigma of well, this is whole this is wrong my rants I'm, I'm get on it I'm, I'm sick and tired of people being like oh like oh god you you don't just drink butt heavy and just straight jack daniels from a, a cup i mean I, i'm tired of people thinking that all of a sudden just be a, a man or you know for it to be a manly drink that or for you to do something it has to be a specific style it's again life's too short be yourself Your taste, 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 I, many a times and i'm not a Shame to say this. Many times we've gone out to a bar. My wife will order a beer and I'll order like some sort of martini to try it out. And guess what? Like they'll bring her the martini. And I'm like, no, no, that, that's mine. This and, is guys. And my wife's always like, oh, can I get like a swirly straw and maybe an umbrella in it? And I'm like, you know what? I really, I don't care. I, I don't give a shit what you think about you know, what I'm going to drink. Apple martini and all that stuff, you be you. I don't give a shit. Like no. that's fine. Well, again, life's too short for me to care what you think about my fucking drink. Uh, you know what I'm, I'm, I'm going to drink it. You know what I love? <laughs> I, I do like that because that whole like, oh man, you're not drinking Jack. First off, no, it tastes like Jack. Enjoy, do, do what you want to do. You know what I mean? Like just like with with, with red wine. If you want to yeah. put a couple of ice cubes in there because it's a little too warm, do it. Beer, who gives a shit? Right, and people, again, being too pretentious and having this understanding of, oh, well, what does this person really think of me? What do they care? It's, I, you got to just get to kind of that point of not giving a shit about that. don't care anymore. Yeah. Move on. Like, what does it, it matter? I guarantee you this. Once you actually get to that point of not giving a shit, just kind of being yourself and kind of living your truth and just like, yeah, you know what? I want a martini. I don't feel like a beer right now or something like that. Like once you start like, dude, you're going to be so much happier. You just won't give a shit. And then, and then look, whether it's bad, you look, I'm not saying like, look, you start drinking what you want to drink. You're going to change who you want to be. No, I'm saying little things throughout life you're gonna stop caring what other people thinks because and, and that anxiety and stress doesn't get off of you uh, i think that's been something predicated upon you know the current environment of, of you know every time and i'm i'm one of those people too where unfortunately like i'll wake up in the morning i roll over grab the phone start scrolling checking through instagram facebook seeing you know all of the same stuff where people are trying to impress other people and you get kind of caught in this dynamic and it doesn't matter if you don't think you are, but at some point it, it does sway your opinions and thoughts on stuff as far as like, well, you know, maybe I shouldn't do this or maybe I shouldn't wear that. I should probably try to wear this more often. And you know, what do people really think of me? And it's one of those things where honestly, like I've never seen anyone on their deathbed go, you know what? I, I should have worn more of this. I, 
I should have really cared more what other people oh, thought. I shouldn't have worn, worn lavender tie. Yeah, I, I should have gotten into more fights on Facebook. Oh, God. You know, that's the whole thing where it's like, honestly, I think uh, David said it too, where like, no one gives a shit really no. about you. Like, no offense. Like, you, you have your loved ones. Oh, like, when you talking about his son's birthday. Yeah. No, God, I, I tie laughing. That was hilarious. And, but he's, there's truth in that where like you have your loved ones and the ones you talk to every day. And those are the ones that are going to actually care about you and miss you when you're gone. Um, but outside of that, like, gives a damn like no like that's the whole point like people have the persona and this the setups of like oh i gotta be perfect and the setup a lot life is not perfect things aren't always going to be perfect uh -huh. on how the setup of it is so what does it really fucking matter it really doesn't man like it's just like just have some be and that's what i'm trying to that's why i always preach to people man just be genuine dude just yeah. be yourself like follow your passion look i know you feel like you got to do x y i was talking to one guy that in, in sales and he's like man hey can I kind of pull your ear a little bit I'm like what's up man and we started talking. He's like, hey, look, uh, don't get me wrong. Like, I love the oil and gas industry, but I'm kind of really digging this thing that I've been thinking about the side hustle. I'm not going to give too much detail. Yeah. But he's like, I'm really digging this. Like, what do you think? I'm like, well, let me ask you a question. Like, are you passionate about it? Like, do, do you see yourself, like, getting really, like, loving doing this? And he's like, yes. I'm like, that's your answer, man. Trust your gut. And he's like, I'm like, look, you can always work at it because he's he's – well-known guy did all this stuff. And I'm like, man, you always work at a deal where it's like, you know, I'll do this on the side and whatever that is. Yeah. And he's like, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, dude, be happy, life short, be passionate, man. And if it's something you're excited about that gets you out of bed, that to me is more important than a, uh, a quote, stable job in the quote, stable oil and gas industry. Like, man, you That's kind of oxymoron saying stable oil and gas. I'm very, <laughs> being completely sarcastic with that. But I'm like, look, man, people are going to love you regardless. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I know you love the industry. I love the industry too. But man, if, if you're passionate about something else, fucking follow that. Well, I mean, it's it's a very, I, th I forget it was, I think it was Malcolm Gladwell or somebody else. I'll have to figure out who the quote was on it all. But they basically said, you know, do something that you're passionate about and that you're good at until the point you get so good at it, you get paid for it and make a living off of it. And I, it's it's hard to actually go forward with that because, you know, it's a real world. You got to live in, you got to pay bills, you got responsibilities, et cetera. But if it's something you're super passionate about, then, yeah, start off as your your side hustle, your side and, thing. And try, and to, then try, try to, to build it. it. And the, yeah, try to build it. And the thing about, you know, my mom always said the same thing to me. It was funny. Like, we do these damn chocolate sales. Did you ever have to do the chocolate sales when you're growing up as a kid through no, schools? I think I did some other where you get like You get, like, chocolate bars, try to raise money. And, you know, I was always kind of first nervous trying to sell. I'm like, man, shit. Like, I don't know. It's... I don't want to interrupt the people. And it was like the same thing. The worst thing that anyone can ever say to you is no. And if you just let that roll off your back, then what the fuck does it matter? Just, just don't take it personal. Just exactly. don't take it personally. Just keep on going. Um, and then just keep, keep on rolling. Be well, just that's fine. the thing though. It's, just, it's the ego side of things. I mean, and, and honestly, if you are connected to social media that much and you are comparing yourself with everyone, which, which that's what social media has kind of turned into. It's meant for that. Yeah, it's, it's, no. it's, it's meant for that. But I mean, once you kind of shed that ego and like really not give a shit, try to compare yourself and all that stuff and, and, no, not take things personally. That to me is kind of life's a lot more fun. Oh, for sure. Well, I mean, when you stop comparing yourself to everyone, and you live live for yourself and live for your family and your friends, and doesn't matter exactly. And it's more fun that way. Oh, no doubt. I mean, because look, I'm not saying I'm not saying hey, uh, I'm really passionate about you know mixing EDM and techno and, and, and playing at pool parties in Vegas, which I am. But I'm not going to quit my job and go out there and learn from scratch. No, I'm going to start dabbling with, you know, mixing, you know, after, you know, in the weekends and you know, after hours or during the day, you know, I mean, yeah. you start playing around with it and you might book. I'm not saying quit today to follow. No. I'm just saying, like, look, do some do a little research, see if it's in you, see if you still dig it. Yeah. Be, be a little intelligent about it and then build it up and 
keep going until where that side hustle or that side passion becomes your main passion and it's able to fuel for your, your overall lifestyle that you currently have and go from there. I mean, like I said, life is too short not to go for those kind of things that make you happy and go. go have you always, have you been that way always? Um, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things, uh, you know, I gave a lot less, like I cared a whole lot more about that kind of persona. And then really, I, I think it was a turning point back in uh, 14. My dad passed away suddenly. Uh, really unexpected. Unexpected? Yeah, just massive heart attack one night, just was fine, and the next thing, done. How old was he? Uh, he was 56, 57, so That's young, pr- pretty Sorry young. Yeah, no, but it was one of those things, it was kind of a wake-up call to where, you know, for me and that whole setup of, you know, the next minute, the next second is never a guarantee. And always kind of sitting there going, well, maybe tomorrow I'll try it, or, you know, maybe in a year I'll go for it. But it's one of those things where until you actually go for it, like, and actually take that step and get done with it like it's not gonna happen uh and it's always been one of those things where it's all right hey well shit you gotta follow your passions gotta do what you want to do and make sure that you're happy every day and it's one of those things where i'm very fortunate to where my job that i currently have and what i do i love i love my job i love being a drilling engineer i love the drilling side of stuff i love getting the midnight calls you know the 2 a.m like hey what do we need to do and guys constantly think on your feet move from it and that's very passionate about it i love the fact that i can also do these things where i get to network i can meet people i'm not stuck in a a cubicle i could build and foster relationships yes. uh and you know you have to be a jack of all trades you can't just be okay hey, i'm really good at this one piece of software no you've got to be good at you know cementing you gotta be good at understanding bits and the engineering behind bits and you know you gotta be enough to be you know you don't have to know it all but you have to be enough to know enough to be scary yeah. uh where you can call out bs and understand it all and so i love that dynamic of you know not only having the engineering and being hands-on etc and getting that instant feedback from it all so that's where I'm one of those few ones and my friends kind of laugh at me because they're like, you truly are one of those lucky ones. Like you actually do love your job. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, but there's still other passions I would love to do and other things I would like to do other than just do this. But it's one of those things again, where it would have to if be you're having fun. Yeah. Having fun, go for it. Why not? So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those things where again, you just got to go for it. You ever see little signs of your dad around? Yeah, it's uh, it's what is it? What is what is the sign? Because my brother passed away in 2013, right before Evelyn was born. He's about two years old, and he passed away suddenly again, very mm-hmm. unexpected. And I think 2013, 2014, after that, then I you know went through a divorce and all that stuff. Like that's kind of when I started kind of getting my own skin. Like just like JP, just be yourself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't be this thing that you think you have to be on uh, you know, LinkedIn or in emails or in public when you're talking to someone. Just be yourself, man. Oh, yeah. And so that was the growth right there. But I, I still see signs from him like every now and then. Well, it, it's kind of an interesting dynamic, especially because my dad, uh, me and him, like if we saw, if you saw him, like we look identical. I've literally had people. Really? I still like have had people come up to me, uh, you know, recently going, oh, are you Bruce Corey's son? Like, I'm like, who are you? Like, Bruce? Yeah, that was my dad, Bruce. Um, so and it's funny because, you know, people call him. But yeah, no, there's. A lot of my mannerisms and a lot of things I do, like it's uh, it's funny and it, it's crazy because it's passed on to my kids now and seeing them doing their dynamics, you're like, oh my God, there's my dad. Like just like my son in the morning, so he's like an old man, he'll, he'll cross his legs over, grab his iPad, grab his cup of milk like he's- it's puts, his, his, puts his glasses on yeah, the bottom of his nose. He'll, he'll cross his legs, he'll have his cup of milk, he'll, he'll have the iPad pop, propped up on his knee and he'll be sipping his milk and goddamn, scrolling through and I'm like- Goddamn Biden's ruined this country, dad. <laughs> My RRA is doing horrible. I mean, wow, look at these numbers. Uh, Stock market took a hit again, Dad. So he's just sitting there. And it's funny because the same thing every morning. Dad sit there, had his leg crossed, Sudoku, sitting up there, working through it, sipping his coffee. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Do you see like little signs, little trinkets or whatever that is? 
there's more, for, like, I don't see those kind of setups. It's more of those like little memory style sets where case in point, we we're uh, fortunate enough to go on a little trip this past weekend to Port Aransas and uh, we're out there body surfing. And it's one of those things where it's like, I, there's those little hits that you get where it's like, man, like pretty sure I was on this beach, you know, 20 years ago and he was teaching me how to body surf. And it's just one of those hits where like, oh man, like, okay, cool little, you know, catch a wave here. And you're like, oh, all right, this, you would love this right now. So um, my mom has had this thing where she's kind of uh, saw little trinkets and pickups of stuff and she'd see a penny here. Coins. Then, my, yeah, coins. That's, yeah, that's it. That's yeah. my, yep. Yep. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's so my parents believe they see coins. You mm -hmm. know I mean, I see coins too sometimes. And, I, when I, when I, and it's weird too. It's always like when it's like a tough day or a stressful day or some bullshit like that, where it's like, fuck, oh, I really want this or like this to go right. Or man, that was just a tough time and all that stuff. Then you like, I'll see a coin or something yeah. like that unexpectedly out of the blue for no reason. Yeah. It's, uh, I've, and it, you're not the only one. I mean, I've, I've, it's kind of an interesting dynamic and you know, the whole afterlife setup and, uh, you talk to all these people that they go through that and they have these little, little trinkets or signs or, you know, a friend saw a dragonfly, like oh, yeah, a, a cardinal, a, yeah, a cardinals, butterflies, uh, little, little things that always just seem to always pop up when you start thinking about that person in the place. And so it's, uh, it's, you know, it's a very interesting dynamic in the world of, you know, spiritual thought of what's actually happening. So I like going down that hole though. I, I really do. I really, enjoy. I mean, I remember one time I was kind of sitting there in, in my home and I don't know if this is, with some of the store, but I was just, I, you know, I was sitting in my, in my daughter's room and, um, you know, first off I'll break out snap. My, my wife taught me to break out Snapchat and go scan the room. And actually I'll show you this after, but like he, he popped up and I have it like several times throughout several days. Like this face will come up and like, you ask a question and the tongue comes up, the puppy ear tongue, the lick. Yeah. You know, remember the filter and all yeah. that? And it was like, you know, you're just scanning the walls and just boom, something right there, whatever. And, um, but I remember one time I was sitting there, I was kind of like meditating. Right. Yeah. And, I just saw this very vivid vision. It was of my brother and he was like in this hotel room and like, and he was like trying to communicate with me, mm -hmm. you know? And then he was like moving so fast. And I'm like, and it was very, it was a long time. I was like, okay, I don't know if, if I'm daydreaming this yeah. or what, like, Hey, if this is you, man, slow down. So he slowed down all this stuff. And he like looked at me and he was like, Hey, I'm proud of you with Evelyn. He kind of put his hand down on the ground and then brought it up, you know, good job. Yeah. And he with Monica, my wife. And he's like, good job with that. And he's like, I just, so it was kind of a weird kind of a communication. And after that, like, that was it. Like, it was, it was just a weird, very vivid, very clear, uh, uh, med. And I just kind of, it was like, it was, after that, I was kind of digging it. It was a little at peace after, you know? Yeah, I know. It's, you always kind of, it's nice having that little extra thought of, you know, hey, you know, parent, parent would be proud and et cetera. And that's, that's one of those things where, uh, my greatest impression, what I try to do on my kids is one of those things where you know, it was always funny with my dad. He, he, God, he would, uh, I don't know if your parents would do this with me, you, but my dad would always one of those things where it was like, Look, son, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. disappointed. And oh, oh, it just hits you in the heart. It's heartbreaking, and man. That, oh, and that whole respect thing for him was so big. And it was such a big dynamic of him always wanting to be respectful. And, uh, you know, he was military. And so I was raised up in that kind of dynamic. And you know, it was always one of those things where respecting <laughs> that person, respecting being respected as a man, respecting a woman, et cetera, is just such a huge priority in life and your journey. And so anytime you do something wrong, that's, that he knew that too. And it was, oh, that crushes. That's always that little extra. What a great line though. Oh God. Yeah. And that's what, that's what I, you know, one of my biggest takeaways and I try to always, you know, instill onto my boys and I, it's crazy, especially, you know, the culture in the world where we are now today It's I always want to teach my boys and, uh, you know, thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. And yes, sir. No, ma'am. And you just, yep. you don't get those kind of dynamics anymore these days. And it's actually kind of funny and surprising when you, 
your, you know, your son would be, or me in general, just I'll hold a door open for a lady and I'll be like, and they're like, thank you. And be like, yes, ma'am. And or just saying, yes, ma'am, no, sir. will get you so far in this world. Just showing a little saying bit of respect. Please, please, saying please and thank you oh. too. I mean, so like so what I'll do in front of my daughter, like I will always, uh, hold on a second. Let's, let's ask this wonderful bartender here at uh, the petroleum club, Eric, uh, for, a uh, another bourbon, another bourbon. So what I always do with my daughter, always, I will always, and look, whether I'm with her or not, this is just who I am. You know what I mean? Like I will always talk to the, you know, the, the person, you know, at HEB who's bagging groceries or the cashier or the person that's, you know, looking at the carts or I will always speak to someone and be very polite, be very engaging. Cause I think that's important. That's, I don't think a lot of people do that. I think oh, well, they're bagging my groceries. You know, so it's, I'm always very talkative and, and, and just cause like, Man, first off, I do it in front of Evelyn, do good, but also you don't know what you know. If they're having a shitty day, they might pick them up. You know what I mean? No, and that's uh, one of my favorite things. It's funny you say that because my my favorite thing is just instantly when you get into the checkout line is to look at that person's name tag. Now I'm actually just calling by the name, and it's so funny because a lot of times they're kind of like, I know. How do you how do you know, know my name? I'm like, well, I just looked at your yeah. your name tag. Oh, oh, okay. And it's just, no, thanks. How, how's the day going? How are you doing? It's uh, very, you know, unfortunately nowadays you don't see the amount of, uh, politeness and respect being given out there as there is go, go, go mentality. Yeah. It's uh it's more about me and what we can, what can I get for myself and, uh, you know, how am I propagating myself in this world, et cetera. It's also a lot of false, important bullshit. Like I'm so important. I don't, I don't have to talk to this person. Thanks, Thank Eric. You. Thank you, Eric. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, it's, again, people trying to live this different lifestyle and portray themselves as somebody, uh, again, the worst, the most annoying shit that I see is when people are only kind to someone because they think they can get something and it's so transparent. It's such, it's such a bullshit way to go through life. Like, well, you can't do much for me. So I'm really not going to be that polite. Well, I'm not gonna be rude to you, but I'm not gonna really engage with you. you no. Know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. actually, wait, you can. Hi, how are you? I'm blah, blah. It's like, that's, I, I cannot stand it when people just kind of engage and, and you can see that. You could feel it, you know, it's just like, I'm over that. No, that's, uh, it's, I get that a lot. And, uh, my brother, uh, he's in uh, the liquor industry and it's funny how some, a lot of people what is he doing in the liquor industry. So he, uh, is in a role in Oklahoma where he works for a company up there to where he's a state manager for some portfolios. Okay. Uh, so he oversees, uh, you know, different brands in the entire state of Oklahoma. He's done a fantastic job. Uh, cool. Love him to death. He does great work, but being in that position it's funny how some people that you've never spoken to before ever and especially with this you know great bourbon craze and scotch craze and you know i've i've had people that you know i've lost touch with forever ago all of a sudden they like they see him and they know what he does and it's like oh hey well, they're catching up like what's going on out there what's your brother doing can you uh can you help me out here it's like man like come oh, on man. it's it's such a frustrating thing it's like being again being genuine that is huge that is a being, word i love using genuine. Being, being, being genuine, genuine and polite and respectful will do so many things for you in this world and get you so far yet it's so widely like almost frowned upon really in this uh society these days and it's just one of those things where i just keep shaking my head let's on. bring it back i know it's uh i think it'd be a great movement to continue on with as uh We'll have to come up with some catchy slogan, but we'll, we'll bring we can't up. do that right now. No, I'm, yeah. I'm behind the mic. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna come up I'm, like I'm usually a lot wittier than I am behind the mic. So the shit that I'm gonna come up with now is gonna be pretty bad. So no, yeah, no, I actually, completely, we got to start a genuine move, and I completely agree with that, dude. So you get so involved and you study so like the like going back to I guess your it's not even perfection, but you just like you like you know for when you're sous vide stuff, you, you get the vacuum seal, you do these little stuff that 
that is a is a hundred percent committed to it. And dude, you've had. Can you talk like? To me, a good steak needs a good knife. <laughs> it does, man. I'm serious. Like it, it, like it, it really does bring something. Like for example, a good martini needs a good martini glass, not one of those bullshit like. 1920s ones that you get like that's all the crazies days those vintage ones no i understand good like wine a good needs one, a good wine glass a good, good bordeaux glass and enhances a good it bourbon needs a good bourbon like a good steak needs a good knife and dude you're you're knife close so talk get, get start me on this journey no so yeah yeah it's oh if you if you're friends with me on my instagram you've seen a lot of well, my, what, what i'm gonna do what i'm doing i post this i'm gonna take one of the pictures of the knife screenshot and i'll crop and i'm gonna Perfect. post that because I, I they are such beautiful beautiful specimens so keep going no it's uh so it's kind of goes along with my appreciation for you know aged scotch or anything like that where if you think about the the time and the effort put into it and the care uh to get to that point um and i, I have that same appreciation for knives as far as the utility and it's amazing how much more enjoyable cooking is when you you know take a off the shelf knife that you can barely slice through anything and you're having to, you know, take the damn tomato and it's about falling off the damn top because it won't cut through it comparative to a razor you're sharp. Smashing it versus yeah, you're smashing and actually slicing through it. It's amazing. And how much more fun. It's actually safer for you to have a super sharp knife. Everyone kind of goes back yeah. on that where it's well, no, actually it's the dull knife that's actually going to injure you more so than the actual I super agree. sharp knife. Um, and so I just I, I love craftsmanship. Uh, I love anything, you know, handmade done by a person uh, i think there's uh, such a beauty to that and the passion behind it uh really comes through and it's anything i can support and find that i'm, I'm all for so how do you expose this so you have you have what the Jap japanese style knives is your favorite i feel like yes yeah, so i've got some japanese knives that uh, i actually got while i was in japan and where are uh, you in japan just visiting uh so got to go on a great trip it was one of those things where you know i i work to live not the other way around and uh i've always wanted to go travel around the world and again back to my dad he was in the air force got to go to i don't know how many different countries i lost count and growing up he always had this little fake plastic locker box i'm pretty sure he got from um oh god the locker room store or whatever the uh shoe shoe store foot locker foot locker thank you god the uh, so locker you, room store you know that's why we're not coming up with a <laughs> that's why, a, we're, that's a why genuine we're, campaign. yeah that's why we're not coming up with a genuine campaign right now um so and i would open it up and he had to have all the cash from all the different countries that he's visited etc in there and so i always had a passion i always wanted to go over to japan uh just because I, I wanted to see the culture and i've seen so much about it right i read about it and it's absolutely amazing fantastic place to visit and oh, that's i would love to highly recommend it and people talk about how expensive it is but in all reality it's really not that bad i mean if you can find flights at the right time it's that's the biggest thing if you can get flights over there the rooms are you know you can find cheap rooms you can do hostels you can do nice hotels but i mean food wasn't really overly expensive they don't tip over there it's against the culture to tip um so you can do a dinner for 60 dollars for a family of four i mean we took our kids um and you, you know, brought your little ones over there mm -hmm. okay uh and so well i sorry little one at the time we only had carter my youngest cooper wasn't born yet but uh, we took carter and it was they were fantastic like you would rock in they all they had like little kid utensils kids plates set up for you had it all done for you but um when i was over there we were in um osaka um or not sorry not osaka kyoto and we got to go to the it's actually the oldest still standing uh bladesmith there uh they actually the original blades blade store that's been there for uh, god over 100 so something. i'm sure that's just like generation after oh, generation generation's after generation, just been passed down generation. passed that's down so cool and the 
gentleman that actually, the bladesmith that actually still runs the store came out and I picked my knife. I'm a left-hander, so I found a regular left-handed knife and found his uh, gorgeous Nakiri and came now, out. What's the difference between left-handed and right-handed knives? So over there, uh, especially on, specifically on Japanese knives, your actual bevel will be on the opposite side. So, cause when you hold a knife, you want to, you know, if you're not watching on the, on TV, sorry, if you're listening to Spotify, but T first off TV. Yeah. Sorry. It's YouTube. YouTube. Dad. God, can we edit that TV. out? No, we need to edit that out. Um, so when you're holding the knife, of course you hold it from the bolster and then you're chopping down, but so I'm a lefty. And so you want the angle to be on the opposite side of where your fingers are at. Oh, um, okay. on a, if you're looking for a straight edge cut like that, but then like a Nakiri it's, straight up it's meant for vegetables and very fine uh fine cuts and so that's more of a just a regular v uh at the tip so you don't have to worry about what side it's on so it's that's the differentiation between if you're looking for um, a japanese knife like a slicer then you know the bevels on the left or on the right depends Never on the left hand or right hand um if it's you know straight down the center then it's fine it's ambidextrous for whichever most chef knives are ambidextrous because there isn't a difference on you know it all comes down to one v at the very uh, very right, end of the right. knife um so but, you're there you see yeah sam he comes out and he chisels in my name into the side of it all right then and there and so that was kind of like the big kickoff uh for really wow. starting to love knives and uh, seeing the passion behind it and people and so you know i i get on instagram but i'm usually scrolling through looking for knives and trying to find guys that you know hand make knives uh if it's even from you know just generally you know they're cutting out the damascus or cutting out the steel themselves or you know there's some guys out there that you know i'm on wait list now that are God, two, three years out, waitlist. Are you serious? Yeah, I mean, because these guys actually do their own Damascus. Forge it. You know, they, they forge it themselves. Like geometric welding, they forge it all up together. They, you know, hammer it all out and put it into the stuff. What's well, cool about it, too, it's not like you go to, like, sur la table and, like, pick a knife there. It's like, it's such a, it's like a work of art. It really is. No, yeah. And it's a huge appreciation for that. And it's an art and it's a, you know, something that they've spent years of their craft trying to master and get better at it. And, I have a fine appreciation for that because you know it's somebody that put their blood sweat and tears into it and took care of it and so i find that having a story behind every knife is you know it's it's a great way to present food and enhances it and that's one of those things where you know i'm really passionate about food and uh if you can enhance that by having a cool story behind the knife then why not do it well a cool part i remember you telling me this when we had breakfast um we started talking about this you were like another benefit of this too is that it's a legacy object Mm -hmm. you know oh no it's definitely something i definitely plan on passing down to my boys um and they'll have their picks and it's just you know kind of like that and or you know any other thing like old guns or anything like that you can pass down from generation to generation and you know i think there's something you know really cool and touching about that that's something you can have that's tangible to somebody once they're gone and have those memories there and that you can instantly instill and bring back to yourself and so um you know i totally agree with you on that aspect where I think that's going to be something that I really enjoy later on boys that I can instill in them and they can pass down their next generation. It's, a, it's something really, you know, a lot of people don't think about these days and, you know, but it's a cool dynamic. That's to the thing. Have. I'm not even sure what I would pass down to Evelyn. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't even know. Like, but that, but that's a great thing to start thinking about. Cause it's like, yeah. you know, like, you know, you leave, you know, you leave money and all this, whatever you leave. First off, she's not going to get much from me, but, but you know what I mean? Like you leave that stuff. That's not really a, a memory, you know, well, like, yeah. Might not have it even with the estate tax now they're talking about. So. Oh, no shit. You're yeah. right. Yeah. So <laughs> thank you government. So like, I mean, that's the thing though. Like that's not memory. That's not something that you can like, 
you know, look up, look up from and kind of reflect on like, oh man, I remember, you know, dad was cutting, you know, some steaks, you know, over, you know, it was Thanksgiving. He was kind of tender. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? I remember him doing that. Oh, I remember him slicing his finger with that. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing like, I mean, you leave, you leave the assets, whatever, but like the, it's, it's this little stuff like that that brings memories. Well, and I think that's a, a great uh, point to discuss where it's, you know, like a trimester at something, but, you know, I think a lot, and I, I, you're seeing a shift change in it now where, you're starting to see more of it. I still think that a lot of people are very materialistic, et cetera, too, which, you know, don't get me wrong. I like my knives, I like my bourbons, et cetera, but something that I'm trying to move to, and I don't know what your thoughts on are more of less materialistic, more of the memories. Yeah. And like, that's why I love trying to go on trips and doing stuff. Cause those are really what I think that you take with you more so than, yeah, you can go ahead and, you know, buy that one thing, but oh God, you're always going to have that awesome memory of going on this trip, doing that thing. Uh, and that's why I love cooking too and food in general, because I think that's, you know, I get hell from my wife because she's like, you'll, you'll spend six months researching, spending, you know, $300 on a, an item, but you can go spend $300 on dinner. Like it's nothing. I'm like, we're all enjoying it. Well, cause we, it's instant gratification. You're there, you're going to remember it and you're with friends. It's great memories yeah. and food. And, you know, it's, you know, for me, that's one of the things I remember most is like, Hey, I remember going out to eat with all of our friends down here and, you know, going to eat a really nice fish at um, our uh, steak at Steak 48 and we're all having fun, drinks, dinner, like, you know, all the friends that were there, all that. And like, that's a great memory. Like, I, oh, crap. I mean, I brought this really nice pair of sunglasses back, you know, when I was in eighth grade. Like, no one's remember that Yeah, shit. no, no. What? No. I mean, there's certain things you're just blurting over that. I mean, uh, you know, actually come to the point with pictures too. Like when I started, so I've, I started, uh, remember growing up pictures, it was like, you had that. You had 32 pictures on the on the roll, like, oh. and like the pictures weren't everyone standing there smiling, like and all happy, be happy, like there were there were a lot of candid shots. Remember that? There's a lot of candid shots of going down slides, or oh, yeah. or you know, like whatever it is, like you know, people hanging out, like on the on the back of a truck. You know what I mean? Like you look at your parents' pictures, you know, then you look at like you know you growing up pictures, all candid shots. Now I feel like it's all like smiling, looking at the camera shots. So I've been trying to do a better job of capturing life. That's awesome. You know what I mean? Like, no. just like start, I would have start trying that out. Like start capturing pictures. Like when just like, cause to me it's, I'm not going to remember my daughter, uh, you know, sitting there smiling like this, you know, it's, it's I'm going to remember her like, or whatever it is. Yeah. Like, to me, that's not going to bring back the feeling of that memory. No, I, that's, it's crazy. That's a, it's a great point to bring up because you think about it now, this is the most photographed generation in the history of the world. When you think about it, everyone has access to a camera on the back of their phone. And like I said, it's, how many of the photos now are just hundred percent staged? I yeah. mean, can you walk into a nice like restaurant or into a cool place, a park and not just see tons of people just lining up, taking stage photos. And it's like, no, you oh, do. We were at awesome. Watch that. I, lo I love you so much. Memorial. Oh, uh, no. uh, whatever mural, whatever. It's just so fucking, it was bad. It was like, what the, f it was like, a, it was like, it's so authentic. Talk about being genuine. You know what I mean? Like, get, get the fuck. No, I think that's a, a great, great goal to have is trying to like i said get those more candid shots and the more unstaged stuff the unplanned life because that's what life is life is not planned it's messy life is yeah. life is crazy and trying to capture that dynamic and that crazy uh crazy world is uh, i think a beautiful thing to try to get and go for so no kudos and to that's you. the thing too it's like so you, got, you grab those pictures and like you're right like it's it's you, you do those memories you do those whether it's uh you know, taking a trip or going to dinner or taking your kids to the beach and going body surfing and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's putting your shit down, putting your phone down. And like, I, cause I know my daughter's seven years old. Like yesterday she's like, dad, come up here. Look at this. 
just got back from Doug. You know, like I'm like, I don't want to walk up another flight of stairs. Daddy doesn't want to do that. But I went up there and opened her door and she put a moisturizer lotion on her door handle. All right. She's like, got you. And I'm like, turn the lights on. So I hit the lights and there's moisturizer on the lights too. She's like, got you again. Like, and I'm like, there's so going to be a time where like, there's going to be a time where she doesn't call me up to like look at a drawing that she did or, exactly. or look at her bouncing something on her hand or like turning on, you know what I mean? So it's like, I'm trying to engage with her as much now because, you know, as she grows up and grows older, it's more difficult to have this. So you guys, just like, just like in sales, just like whatever, you start that relationship now. Yeah. You know, you start those conversations now. It's so those I, little, little moments I think everyone uh, takes, uh, you take a little bit too much for granted that it's always going to be there. And that's what, you know, our, my oldest will always be like, hey, can I, you know, let's come over here and come lay with me. And you're like, can, oh. I just, can I just go lay in my own bed? And you're like, wait, hold on. I know. Before you know it, he's going to be like, I don't even want to talk to you. I know. Leave me alone. Get me out of here. I'm going to go hang out with my friends. So that's what I always try to put myself into that mindset of, okay, try to be there for that moment. You're going to want that back here. Dude, then you start looking at your phone. You're like, oh, this was four years. This was three oh. years ago. What the hell happened? How fast did that go by? No, that's what uh, uh, I'm meeting a friend tonight for dinner. And we were talking about that where it was one of those discussions where how quickly, you know, life happens and changes. And it's one of those sayings where, you know, the days are long, but the years go by quick. And it's so true because it's God. one second you're, you're thinking of something and then you blink. And you're like, well, it's just like this year in general. I mean, it just feels like yesterday was February and everything was slowly coming out and People are like, oh, hey, you know, we're we're going to slowly get rid of, you know, mask mandates, all this. And next, now, now it's in July. And it's like, what? What What just happened? Like, I know. We're here? I know. Okay. Already? Yeah. And we're almost into Q4? Cool. Yeah, God. Q4. Isn't that crazy? No, I, I can't. Uh, I can't even fathom where it's at. And already being in Q4, and it'll be an interesting dynamic of where oil and gas and everything else goes into uh, next year. And, uh, you know, seeing how people handle the different variants that are coming out and, overall demand but right now I'm, I'm hopeful it's promising i love how you just brought this back to the oil and gas industry dude you should have your own podcast like i thought you would appreciate that uh, that was that unbelievable how you just segued in towards the end we're finishing our cigars right now we're probably gonna shut this down here how long are we talking for an hour and 20 that's not bad that's pretty no, good that's pretty that's good pretty, banter bullshit yeah, pretty good banter not bad but uh, i love how you just brought that back oh so yeah i feel like it's a it's a good segue into kind of a tail end where we're i want your thoughts and opinions of where do you see oil and gas going here in the next year? Do you feel that there's a potential for this, I don't know what wave it is, 18th, 19th, 20th, I don't know, of COVID coming through? I honestly, I, th I personally think uh, people are getting pretty COVID fatigued. Mm -hmm. at, least, at least at least, the people that I'm talking to. I'm personally COVID fatigued. Oh, you know no what I mean? Um, I, look, I know it's real. I know it's serious for some. I know it's not serious for some. But... I'm personally, I mean, here's the deal. You start showing around the, around the clock news about a subject, okay? Especially a scary subject, how they positioned it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? After a while, it's like you just get tired of hearing about that. You get tired of the noise. Oh, no. You get tired of surrounding yourself. Like whether it's the elections, whether it's COVID, whether it's this, whether it's that, I personally get exhausted and I get very fatigued from how much shit's pushed at me. So honestly... When it comes to the variants now, when I, whenever there's a new COVID story now about a variant or this and that, I honestly, next, like what else? Yep. Like I, I hate being that way, but it's true. Like it, they've done such a piss poor job of of keeping me engaged, personally engaged, just because it's just, it's too much. It's it's too much. Only so many times you can cry woof and you know start yeah. yelling about it before people kind of just go, okay, moving yeah. on. 
Yeah. Like, no, so my my okay my thing is like okay it's here okay people have vaccines okay that's great like that's you do like you do you like what what else we got to hear about it like okay it's here I understand that I get it thank you like I I'm I'm, I'm past that like. I'm not saying I'm being irresponsible or anything like that because I trust me, I wash my hands, all, all that fun stuff. But like at the same time, it's like, dude, I'm, I'm tired of I'm tired of hearing about it. No, I I agree with you on that dynamic is I'm just so what been, do I see things played? What do I think see things going? I don't see I did, really don't see things kind of uh, reverting back to locking down or any bullshit like that. But I do see I mean, honestly, you know, when you come to oil prices, I see. I think there's a lot more travel right now. I think businesses are opening up, and not just domestically, but internationally. I think oil and gas um, uh, is going to continue to increase. Um, so, so you just uh, that's the U.S. rig count. count. So we're uh, up 221 rigs from this point last year, up four percent recently. But we're still in at 470 no, rigs. No, one percent plus four rig count. Yeah, from yeah plus four one percent from what previous week. And then, but we're up 221 rigs from the low of last year. Basically. Well, the low of last year was disgusting. So I don't want to, that's not even a good base thing. But honestly, like, I, I kind of like how the fact that we're not jumping in uh, head first or knee jerk reaction in our industry, um, where we're just picking up rigs once 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 it gets to a, a certain price. You know what I mean? Or not blow, going to the top, like, oh, he's, Earthstone's picking a rig. Well, I got to pick up a rig too. I got to, there's not that. There's, there's more. I'm, first off, I'm really, I feel like, okay. So there's a lot of old school elements of the oil field that are here, you know mm -hmm. what I mean, that are back, which I love, like what we're doing right now. But there's also a new thing to it too, like what we're doing right now. Yeah. I am seeing a lot more cool technology these days. Um, I'm seeing a bigger challenge for companies to source capital. You know, yep. like that's kind of why I'm digging this energy funders uh, role. I really am. But uh, I'm not just saying that to plug it. Like I really dig it. You no, know? it's like, a great way to raise capital for drilling wells. And it's cool. And it's like investing, investing industry. Yeah. But like, I don't see, I'm glad I don't see the activity um, ramp up as fast as we have historically because far too many times we have not learned. We just keep on doing the same shit over and over. And what do we always say? One more boom. Yep. One more boom. And then and it's just like you, you never get there because we have such short-term memories. But I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it's more of a steady growth. I personally feel like it's more of a steady growth. I'm seeing a lot more technology. I feel like it's a, the energy in our industry isn't an oil and gas feel anymore if that makes sense i kind of feel like it's man it's a lot younger it's a lot hip it's 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 moving fast it's a it's it's more of a, 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 a it's more of a pulse these days no and i i think does that make sense no picking up on that i think that's a, a great way to say that because gone are the days of trying to find a new play a get breakfast in. runs yeah well yeah god no 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 i'm, yeah, I'm no, just saying yeah. like on the way no. of like dropping off breakfast and expecting to get work or or doing this but it's it's no, I picking up on that though. I'm saying that gone are the days of you know. There's not a whole lot of new fields are going to be found. Right, All the oil right. is there that's been found. That's found. I, I hasten to say that there will never be a new oil play in the U.S. But it's for the most part, from what I can tell, there's not going to be really much any more shale plays that are going to be found that. All of a sudden, are going to be like, oh, hey, like, oh my God, this yeah. is going to be huge, and so it's coming down to the fact of, hey, we've got to actually take what we have and make economic profitable wells, and that's why we're sticking that four hundred and something rigs, and it's great that because the history has always been a, a cyclic industry in the oil and gas industry, but I'm hoping that instead of having such high peaks and valleys, that we're going to finally have some sort of control and understanding and try to smooth that line out. It's it's a different management style these oh, days it's, too. It's completely different because now again the 
combination of ESG, which definitely has a role in it, but for the most part, it's the banks finally going, hey, look, we've given you billions of dollars and have seen zero return. Because it used to be just, let's get in, we're going to pump up as much oil as we can, we're going to drill as many growth wells as we can. Growth by production. Growth by production, and then we're going to sell it and flip it off. Unfortunately, gone are those days. Uh, there's been a lot of hopes and dreams of people starting their own companies, getting in, flipping it. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like that's around for much longer or that's completely gone. Now it's, all right, you got to get in, you've got to build up long-term production. You got to show, yeah, you can show that you can actually handle your assets and then so boom, like we're, flip it. We're and then go back to these old shitty wells and we're going to kind of go back in, recompleting, put it back online. So you're finding a lot more lo like low risk, like activity, I feel like. Yeah. And that's, that's the, I think that's the future of it is you're going to have to in, invest in these companies and these setups that are looking at taking, you know, maybe, you know, looked after acreage from some of the larger companies that isn't being given enough attention uh, and picking that up and then trying to find a way to make it look uh, a little bit prettier, get it better, get better overall baseline production, get the uh, PDP up and then go ahead and then sell it. Uh, but you're not going to get these huge multiple Flip. windfalls that you've seen in the past you, with some of these major companies. I think you stopped seeing that. Like a I, think, I remember, I think the last company I saw that did that was just QSTAR. Yeah. Q like, I mean, I think that was the last like major successful yeah. company that did that. No, and that's uh shout out to my boy to and Rodriguez. <laughs> Love y'all. And, uh, but no, I think that's exactly right. But what about, what about, I guess the, uh, so besides the operational um, a strategy or operational management of, of, of oil and gas companies, I guess, with how they're operating, they're, um, if I say operating one more time, punch me in the face. But <laughs> how, how do you feel what the, what the, uh, what the vibe is with the, do you feel, um, are you feeling anything when it comes to other, like the, the, the pulse of the industry? I think that it's beginning a little bit more, you know, big data. I know everyone's got to say big data. Um, got to get that plug in there, but it's true. It's becoming a lot more analytical. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, things are becoming more streamlined, baselined. Um, you want to get faster at everything more concise. And so of course you're bringing in technology. So like you said, it's getting a little bit younger, a little bit more in it. Like you're still going to need those, you know, salty hands that have been around for 30 years that might still be missing a finger or two from throwing chain back in the day. You can find them. If you can find them, if not left or just retired from it, which, you know, now talking about the great resign, you got the great shift change, which Dude, I think has actually been happening. It's happening big time right now. And then, yeah, it's huge, big time. Um, people are getting pushed out. Um, people are coming back into the office that are, or, you know, they're cutting down overall GNA, uh, et cetera, to try to filter it out. And it could be a huge impact on overall productivity because some people think that, oh, I have a computer and I have a ton of data. I can actually get this done. But there's still an art to to oil and gas that, you know, a lot of people don't understand um, that unless you are in it day to day that you, you know. Or next to it in the yeah, field. Or actually in the field, uh, actually, you know, on the rig side scene stuff that you won't understand unless you're there. Um, and so, but no, I think you're right about technology improvements have been vast. The overall ability to compress data, get offset data, look at it. Uh, there's programs out there that, you know, gone are the days of, hey, come to the petroleum club. Let me uh, get you a drink or two, sit in the back corner. What are you guys doing? Like, what yeah. what bits are you running? What BHAs are you running? Now it's more of like, hey, I threw all this data up into this program. You share this data with me. Let's take a look, and we're going to try to make the best wells we possibly can. And, you know, we all try to go because we're all trying to survive and make – uh, and make a dollar and make money for our companies and better overall is set up. So uh, I think technology is really pushing that forward and you're getting that younger, hipper crowd in there. But 
It feels it, hipper, doesn't it? Yeah, but then you're can't believe i'm saying that god when did i get old when i'm using the word hipper uh, i'm 41 on my tiktok and i make memes so just <laughs> hey just go with it you're, you're doing way better than me um so you know i i agree though that that dynamic has shifted and changed in the oil and gas industry um i think that overall we'll see hopefully lower dips um and lower highs i mean high high oil doesn't do anything for anyone as much as some people outside of the oil and gas industry they're like oh they want it to be high no i I don't want oil to go to $120 overnight because that, that doesn't benefit anyone really. It, it gets us some short term, but overall it impacts the overall. And you hear when tr- ch- you know, cheer, drill, baby, drill. You're like, uh, no, 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 no. Slow and steady. Let's stop rallying the troops. Yeah, slow and steady wins the race because I'd much rather have a career and understanding that you can drill and make money long term than all right, we're going to make it all in three days and then it's gone. Uh, it doesn't and then, we're, and then we're screwed for three years. Yeah. It's it, no one wants that. Uh, everyone wants a longer, steadier, uh, path in the oil side of stuff. So I, I feel, you know, we'll probably see a spike, maybe some lowers because of, you know, the push of the media with the Delta variant and, you know, maybe some local shutdowns, but I think the, like I said, the world's kind of tired of it all. You're seeing mass protests in Australia and over in Britain, especially or in France where, McConnell's mandated the shot now uh, for a vaccine. And oh, so, really? Oh, yeah. Uh, that came out this week that um, France is uh, mandating it to be able to go into bars, et cetera. So. First off, if in, if anyone has spent any time in France, like me, not a big deal. I got my master's there, but I'm not bringing that up, Nick. We're not talking about me. This is your podcast. We're not bringing the fact that I was over there getting my master's. Not a big deal. But anyway, but if anyone knows any, like any, whenever the government tries to tell the French people something, it's either revolt and then reform. You know what I mean? Like that's, I don't feel like the people are going to take that very well. That's just my, that's my opinion. I, I feel like I've heard the saying Viva la resistance before. I, I just don't know where I, I feel. I think yeah. It sounds French. It sounds I French. Think Hugh yeah. Jackman made yeah, that probably. in that movie, uh, uh, Les Miserables, but, but yeah, so. Yeah, no, I think the, the French, uh, will take that very well, but, uh, You'll see a little bit of a dynamic on that uh, drop here and there, but overall the world economy, you know, we're, we're behind on barrels per day um, on production side. We're in a deficit. Uh, the It's a fun time to be in the industry. It's a fun time. I, I think you'll see spikes will maybe merge into high 80s, low 90s, and then things will kind of slowly study out as either Iran brings on production or, you know, the Saudis and Qatar have finally made an agreement where the Qatar can uh, start producing more. And so I think you'll see a... Uh, a build there as far as overall production but for the last you know however long we we haven't had enough oil and gas being produced uh for you know we've gotten more effective in the united states don't get me wrong as far as drilling better wells more effective wells but we're still not making up for the fact that beforehand we were needing 650 or so rigs to keep up with overall production we've fracked most of the ducks Uh, i don't think we have a whole lot of ducks just sitting around anymore Uh, so you're going to start seeing this tightening supply um, and you know, the overall kind of feel that, Hey, we're not going to start giving permits. Uh, well, then you get Biden just to ask Saudi for some more, uh, uh, some more oil imports. Well, and case in point, like I, yeah, that, I think it's so dumb that, you know, Biden's going, Hey, OPEC plus actually pr- produce more, produce more. But the United States, we, we I mean, a lot, some people don't know this, but, uh, we could never actually hundred percent be independent of on our own right the the crude api that we make is not good enough for us to make overall diesel uh and so the other crude products so we're always going to have to import from other nations and get it from there but we still need a balance um yep yes and a little bit negative balance helps us out a little bit don't yep. mind that at all uh but fortunately you know a combination of esg and 
Biden and the lack of permits and overall lack of investment um, has kind of created this backlog of that. I think it's going to take forever for us to really kind of catch up. So I'm, I'm very hopeful. Uh, Optimistic or hopeful? I'm very, well, which one's better for the thought that I think it's going to happen no matter what? Uh, optimistic. Optimistic. I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic that I it's- I feel like optimistic. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. With the, I need a help of uh, somebody that's better at the English language than I am. Um, but I feel like we'll get to that point where we'll, we'll, we're going to see $80 plus oil. Yeah. I'm hopeful that it doesn't, we've learned our ways and things don't ramp up a whole lot, which I don't think it's going to be able to because of the current, uh, I mean, look at the, current, current, look. current administration and the situation that the oil and gas industry is in with capital raises, et cetera. And people wanting to get returns. Before even the labor shortage oh. is getting bigger right now. Yeah. It's hard to find truck drivers just for even, uh, you know, hauling off water, rainwater locations when water itself is starting to become more of an issue, especially out in California, uh, which actually, actually, Another crazy story the other day, uh, they banned uh, or didn't ban fracking. They've basically halted a permit for uh, new wells uh, in California for fracking side because there's such water shortage they don't want to use for fracking. Um, so that made uh, the news the other day. And so I think you'll see more of an interesting dynamic on that end point. Uh, but overall, the world, I, I'm hopeful and optimistic and whichever other word you want to use that. We're going to see $75, $80 oil for hopefully at least another two, two, three years. And uh, whenever it does peak out and we catch back up, but I don't think it's going to slowly draw down. And hopefully we've all learned our ways. And I think the Saudis have kind of, you know, the control of OPEC plus, which hopefully holds in together or might dissolve um, depending on how uh, relations go with uh, Russia and Qatar, et cetera. But uh, I think we'll have a good long career and future in this, and we'll be able to do some more uh, lunches like this uh, in the future. What do you do? Do you read, do you read books? Or you just read news. I mean, what, 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 what's, what's, what is in your uh, repertoire on where you get your information? Uh, let's see. Uh, Drudge, uh, CNN, CNBC, uh, OilPrice.com, uh, RigZone. Uh, you just bounce around, though, Kevin. Okay. Do, do you do you read a lot of books? Uh, I read a lot of books, uh, but most Audi of Audible. No, no, Audible. I'm a. I'm kind of, dude. I downloaded Audible like seven months. I cannot get into it. Man. I can't. There's something. Holy shit. There's something tangible for me, and I could never do the, the e-readers. Like I tried it. I had a. I, I had can't. a. I had a Kindle. I just there's something tangible about holding a book and flipping a page that I just think you can't get rid of. Uh, you know, newspapers unfortunately are are kind of making the gone by. But if you're just reading a quick, uh, quick clip or whatever, like I don't mind doing that on a on a phone or a pad or something like that. But if I'm actually reading a full on novel or book, I, I just having and holding something, just there's, there's a difference in it. I dig that. So well, you got anything else that you want to discuss right now? I think we've had some good conversations. No, I think we're good. Bourbon, this cigar, they're getting close towards the end. Yeah. We're, uh, we're about there. So I think we'll probably wrap it up and finish these off. And well, man, I'm so glad. First off, Really, thank you for coming on. No, thank you for having me. I love me. chatting with you. I don't care if it's over breakfast, on golf, or sitting around with bourbon and all that stuff. I love bullshitting with you. You know, I love your uh, your outlook. You got a definitely unique, um, individual, individualistic outlook that that I appreciate. You know what I mean? I think it's a it's a breath of fresh air. I appreciate um, it. Thank I, you. I, I like. Um, I just, I just, I just dig your style, man. Whether whether it's uh, whether it's bourbon, whether it's knives, whether it's uh, your outlook on on dealing with people and, and raising your family. Um, I'm just, I just love talking to you, man. No, thank you again for having me on and uh, appreciate everything you're doing for the industry and, uh, and love following your career path. And, uh, can't wait to talk again and do this, uh, do this over some more lunches. I'm telling you, man, we got to get you, me and Tyler together. We'll do, we'll do a blind bourbon tasting. I, 
done. We'll set that up. Done. Let's we'll do it. Get, I'll tell you what. I think it'll be surprising. Get your so get your outdoor kitchen built out. Okay. okay. Once it cools off a little bit, we'll go up and we'll do it up there. Done. Yeah. Well, we'll do a really nice blind testing. We'll see uh, if the really really expensive stuff uh, meets the. Uh, Meets expectations. I dig it, man. So anyway, so the, anyway, this is a Nick Gore, the uh, the drilling manager over at uh, Earthstone Energy, and uh, and again, you can find Energy Crew. Uh, we're on Instagram. You can find some behind the scene uh, content or some more content uh, out, out there. Um, if you enjoyed this, you know, leave a comment, leave a review. I mean, it's a new uh, it's a new podcast, and so trying to kind of get uh, generate some buzz around it, share it with a friend, and uh, thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, we appreciate it, and we'll talk to you all soon. Take care.